This is Coach Law coming off the top rope on a more than a club podcast. Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Bill Lane. Welcome back to the More Than a Club podcast, season three, episode nine. I am your co-host, Coach Marty Cuprian. Tonight, we are without my other co-host and mentor to many, Coach Leahy. But we've got the one and only executive vice president of everything girls lacrosse here at Next, Kate Henwood. Welcome, Kate. Pumped to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Many of our listeners and families know Kate, not only as an amazing coach and person, but also as a guest of one of our first shows. We just replayed her episode as the inaugural release of our classic replay series. Kate's a former high school teacher, high school coach, and Division I head coach who currently leads the entire girls' side of next lacrosse. Kate, we're fired up to have you here today. Have you listened to any shows other than yours? I certainly have listened to more than just my own coop. Um, yes, it's been really fun to just be a fan of the show uh, ever since I was a guest probably a few years ago now at this point and just kind of get to know some of your other guests. And it's been it's been really neat and a great learning journey for me. Thanks a lot. We feel the same way. Appreciate you coming in today out of the bullpen. In 2022, we look forward to adding more female voices to the mix in an effort to better represent all that is next lacrosse and the lacrosse world in general. Other than that, we plan to stick to our mission. The mission is to have fun lacrosse discussions and bring valuable insights and action items to our players, parents, and coaches listening. In the spirit of all that is lacrosse, let's welcome today's guest, Coach Reggie Thorpe. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. Pretty excited to talk some lacrosse. Awesome. Yeah, we're excited too. Already I've shared some laughs here, getting ready. Coach, as we look at your resume, it's pretty incredible. You, your resume really covers it all, men's and women's lacrosse at every level, youth, high school, college, international, indoor, outdoor, USA, Six Nations, Canada, and more. You are about as well-rounded of a lacrosse coach as we've ever seen. It's an honor to have someone like you on our show, and for our listeners that are not as fortunate to know your background, we'll give them some more. Here we go. Reggie Thorpe is one of the most experienced, respected, and talented coaches in the game of lacrosse said 3D CEO Greg Waldbaum. The deep experience he has in both the field game and box lacrosse is a combination you would be hard-pressed to find on the resume of another coach across the globe. An All-American and NJCAA Defensive Player of the Year at Herkimer Community College in 91, Thorpe went on to play at Syracuse University, where in 1992 he would help his team to a national title appearance. The following season, he captained the team to its fifth national championship and earned All-American honors. Thorpe then played 15 seasons in the National Lacrosse League, all for the Rochester Nighthawks, including the team's inaugural season in 1995. He was a member of Rochester's championship teams in 1997 and 10 years later in 2007 as a captain. He eventually became the league's first general manager slash player as he simultaneously held duties on and off the floor from 2008 to 2009. Upon his retirement from the league, he was inducted to the Nighthawks Hall of Fame. In addition to his professional indoor experience, Thorpe spent six seasons competing for the Rochester Rattlers of the Major League Lacrosse. He served as team captain and helped lead the team to the league semifinals in three seasons. After his professional outdoor playing days were over, Thorpe 
an assistant coach with the Rattlers for three seasons, including in 2008 when the Rattlers won the Steinfeld Cup. He would go on to become head coach of the Hamilton Nationals franchise for two seasons, and there he led the team to the MLL Finals in 2011. Thorpe, a Central New York native, previously coached the highly regarded Six Nations Arrows of the Ontario Lacrosse Association's Junior A circuit, and there he led the team to Minto Cup victories as both an assistant and as a head coach. Reggie Thorpe also represented the U.S. in the Heritage Cup International Tournament in 2002, and 2004, and he helped the American squad to bronze in 2007 at the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships. Additionally, Thorpe has experience working with the Iroquois Nationals. He served as an assistant coach for the men's field team in 1998 at the World Championships, and the next year he was an assistant coach with the U19 Iroquois National staff in Australia when the Iroquois won the bronze, their first ever medal at any lacrosse championship. More recently, Thorpe was the head coach of the Haudenosaunee Girls U19 national team for the World Cup in 2015. The girls did not travel to Scotland that year due to passport issues, but Thorpe coached the team in the Nike Cup championship at Syracuse University. Reggie has also thrived coaching at the collegiate level where he was named the associate head coach of the women's lacrosse team at Syracuse University. Then, to the University of Pittsburgh to help coach the Panthers during their inaugural season and now as an assistant coach at the University of Florida, a national powerhouse in Division I women's lacrosse. In his time at Syracuse, he helped the women's amass a record of 133 wins and 45 losses. During that span, the Orange's strength of schedule was never ranked below fifth in the nation. The Orange have twice appeared in the national championship with Thorpe on the sidelines and have reached the final four in six of the eight seasons that he was there. In 2017, Reggie was named the head coach of the Long Island Sound in the second season of the United Women's Lacrosse League. That summer, he guided the Sound to an 8-0 record and the team's second championship in as many seasons. Also in 2017, U.S. Lacrosse named Thorpe the head coach of the U.S. men's indoor team. Thorpe is an inductee of numerous Hall of Fames, including the National Lacrosse League, Jordan Elbridge High School Hall of Fame, U.S. Lacrosse Rochester Chapter Hall of Fame, NGCAA Lacrosse Hall of Fame, and the Rochester Nighthawks Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Reggie and his wife, Amy, have two daughters, Ella and Gail. Ella played lacrosse under her dad at Syracuse University, and Gail went to Ohio State University. Wow, Coach, it really is an honor to have you with us today. Is it even possible maybe that we might have missed one thing on your resume, or do you think we covered it? Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate over my lacrosse career. You know, I started at a young age, getting out of college, and being able to represent, you know, the the indoor game, the outdoor game, the boys uh, side, the girls side, the women's side, the men's side. So certainly been fortunate uh, to, to have covered all that throughout my years. And uh, like I said, just excited and excited what the future holds. Love it. Yeah, I appreciate you showing up with a smile tonight, Coach. Uh, I imagine you, you probably had some practices or workouts with your, your college team. Um, and one thing that just makes me wonder is like, what keeps you fired up to talk lacrosse? Just, you know, just learning, right? I mean, the, the growth of the game, uh, especially, you know, um, on the on the girls and women's side is huge. Um, you know, it's been growing so big on the men's side, the boys side, but to have the to see the growth on the women's side, uh, not only at the, you know, the club level, the high school level, uh, the youth level, but also now with the um, with the the colleges and so many division one, division two, II, division three schools adding women's lacrosse. I mean, it's just a huge opportunity for for uh, young women today, young girls today to, to, to have those opportunities that lie ahead of them. 
Great. So we're going to move on. We'll, we'll do what is called our youth sports hot topic of our show. Let's make today's hot topic just being a sports parent. Uh, for you as a lacrosse coach, your daughter as a player, uh, what was that journey like as a dad and a sports dad? You know, it's, it's, I guess, probably like any other parents, right? You know, it's a little stressful. It's fun. It's sad sometimes. You know, it's a little bit of everything. But I think, you know, what I always told my, my players when I was coaching is, hey, it, it's going to work out. Everyone has a home there. So I think just keeping that message with my own kids, like there, there is a home for everyone. And whether it's, you know, club lacrosse, division three, division two, II, division one, whatever it is, there, there, there's a there's a program for you and just be patient. And certainly, you know, telling the kids I coach over the years that and their parents and then was to be in that position. It was like, OK, I got to take some of my own advice and, and Amy and I, my wife, and, and we, we have to follow that. So certainly uh, find, following some of those guidelines and advice I used to give out definitely helped. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure you really had some ups and downs along the way as a parent, as a coach, as a player. You know, take us down that road a little bit, if you can, Reggie, and just tell us a little bit about maybe one one moment you can look back on where, you know, as a parent and as a coach, you might have had a little bit of conflict of interest or, you know, just something that was just a little bit unusual that was unique to your, your situation. situation. You know, it's it, I haven't had a lot, you know, I'm very fortunate with my kids, you know, Ella and Gal, you know, having you know, coached them when they were in youth. I had old wrestling coach Mike Frude and both his sons were on our wrestling team. And so he kind of showed me how to like act with your kids. You treat everyone the same and, and it's not a little tougher. So I kind of grew up with that, grew up with that as seeing that. And it just transformed when I was coaching and, and um, uh, when I'd go to like the, the, my, my kids practices and I was there anyways. And they're like, Hey, do you want to coach? I'm like, well, if I'm here, I'm sitting for two hours, right. I might as well try to help out and either shag balls or get the water or, or, or jump in goal or something for them. So, uh, we're very, very fortunate to, to have, uh, um, you know, uh, the relationship with our kids. And I think the other kids really respected everyone getting treated, you know, fairly. And uh, so was fortunate to have a good mentor in, in that aspect. What about other sports? So obviously you were obsessed with lacrosse. I'm going through it right now with my three month old. I put a lacrosse stick in his hand every night and, you know, see what we can accomplish. But for you as a sports parent and coaching, um, you know, what other sports did your daughter get into? And um, or was it lacrosse the whole way? And how do you feel like you influenced? I mean, no, both our kids were, were, it was, you know, you know, Monday night, Amy's going here, Tuesday night, I'm going here, Wednesday night, she's going there. So, I mean, the kids played soccer, you know, football in the fall, and then it was basketball, volleyball in the wintertime, and then lacrosse in the springtime, then, you know, club lacrosse in the, in the summer, even though when our kids were young, uh, there wasn't, a club was just kind of starting and kind of, you know, gearing up a little bit. So there wasn't as many clubs or events like there is now or the quality events, like, like you guys run it next. So certainly um, um, it was, it was less tournaments to go to in the summertime, but those, those, you know, kind of school months were, were, were very busy. I bet. I bet. It sounds like you, you and Amy definitely had your hands full, just like most parents these days. Um, my next question, Reggie is, you know, more about you as uh, you know, a coach at Syracuse. I feel like, you know, when, when a lot of the women in the game now, obviously we all are very aware of y your journey from Syracuse to Pitt and now at Florida. So it's been exciting to watch you transform in the game as a coach. Um, but I think most people associate you back, you know, as an assistant coach with Gary at Florida, or I'm sorry, at Syracuse, wearing orange, you know, running around on the sidelines. I remember just watching games um, when I was a coach and, and a, you know, at it 
a fan, I think, of Syracuse seeing you do your thing. So, you know, having your daughter there and Gary having his daughter there, what was the dynamic? I know we're kind of jumping down this parent lane a lot here, but we're just curious to hear how you balanced all of that. It, I mean, it was, it was a ton of fun, you know, for the opportunity to coach our daughters to, together and, and at Syracuse and uh, where, where I got to play win a championship, Gary got to play win a championship. It, it, it was a dream come true. It was awesome. Spent 10 years there, had some, some unbelievable recruiting classes and, and, you know, we, we made some good runs into the final fours, you know, almost every year, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. You know, sometimes you're you know, Amy and I are like, the kids are a little bit older, like, you know, we won't want to change and, 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 and we move on, you know, but I certainly uh, bleed orange as a, as an alumni, love the players um, that, that I, that I coach there and relationships and going to their weddings now and everything, but, but I definitely bleed off uh, Florida Gator now. So. <laughs> Just a different shade of orange, right? That's right. You might you might actually run into my mom at a Syracuse wedding. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a crazy story, not to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm actually the black sheep of the family. A lot of my family members <laughs> went to Syracuse and I didn't. Um, so I'm reminded of that constantly. And my mom will be at like a Syracuse wedding. What's her signature dance move just so you can look out for it? The signature dance Sprinkler move is finding Coach Gate and Coach Thorpe <laughs> on the floor, the dance floor that is. And I met your mom at Amy Cross's wedding. Exactly. I remember, I remember your mom, just as you said that, I'm like, I remember her from Amy Cross's wedding (laughs) in Philadelphia. Yep. Yep. She's a legend. She might've been just crashing the party, but I think I am related to Amy Cross now. So it's just like this big web of lacrosse family that we're more than a club, as they say. So, (laughs) um, one last question there for parents. So, uh, any quick advice for, a sports parent out there, maybe someone on the youth side, their kids really getting into lacrosse in elementary or middle school. You know, what's what's some light advice you might give a sports parent? I, I mean, just uh, just support everyone, right? Support everyone on the team. You know, obviously it's it's good if your son or daughter's out there and, and the main attraction, scoring goals or getting assists or playing great defense or, or making saves and goal. But, you know, I think just supporting everyone. I think that's, you know, I think the kids can sense that 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 energy, whether positive or negative, um, on the on you know from the sideline. So I think just just being positive, and supportive of not only you know you know your 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 son or daughter, but the her her or him teammates, but also you know the opposing team. And I think those are important. I think it's funny. It's just parents that do that. It just seems like things work better. The kids play better. There's less stress. Um, so I think that's just one that I think just goes back to you know just everything in life, right? Being positive and supporting. Great. We'll move on now to our X and O inside of the week, something for coaches. Uh, we really love this section because we get to get in your coach's brain a little bit. Um, coach Leahy and coach Resh both mentioned they are fans of your breakdown clips on the internet. So I know Kate wants to pick your brain a little bit about girls box and we really want to just expose that topic. So I'll let Kate ask some questions about the girls box world. Well, before I get too far into box, my quick question for you, just to keep you on your toes, Coach. <laughs> you know, you coached a lot of incredible players that I think are, are amazing role models still in the game today. You know, I'm thinking off the top of my head, like Michelle Tumalo, Alyssa Murray, of course, Kayla Trainer, um, who's now the head women's coach uh, for Syracuse. So if you were to, you know, pick any of those players and, and kind of maybe relate them to your game, is there is there a way you could do that? Or is there any player you coached that just – you know, you really related to, and you felt like you can make a, a big impact on their player development. I, you know, I think all the players that, you know, coaching at Syracuse and, and um, um, I, I think you just, you connect with players, right. And, and, and those players, you said are unbelievable players, Alyssa Murray, 
Kayla Trainer, uh, Michelle Tumo, and, and I always tell Gary, we, we won a championship. I think it was 14 or 50 Michelle's first or, or her senior year, but Michelle tore ACL because, you know, Kayla Trainer was a freshman. And then you had Alyssa Murray, Michelle Tumo. That was an unbelievable attack, right? Uh, unfortunately, Michelle went down on ACL and, and we were like, we were in the dome against Cornell there. But, uh, um, I think just the relationships develop with, with, with players, you know, I mean, Kayla's going to do an unbelievable job at Syracuse. I'm so proud of her. So proud of Michelle. Listen, Marie's back in the, the three, one, five in Syracuse, you know, uh, a, a new mother in, 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 in kicking it with inside lacrosse now. So it's great to see, see her grow, but just the, the players and families over the years, it's just been such a big connection, uh, there. And, uh, and now to be at Florida with all the, the kids here and developing those relationships and with the parents and with Mandy and Terrence, it's been, it's been a great experience. Absolutely. If you talk to Steve Levy, he'll tell you that his daughter taught all of those players how to shoot. Do you think that's true? You know, Steve, Steve's an unbelievable guy and, and great <laughs> coach. And, and uh, it's funny, we, we talk all the time and, um, and Nicole is just unbelievable, you know, unbelievable uh, uh, player shooter in her day. And, you know, and it's funny, I, I text her after a pro game this year, she did the one between the legs and came over the top that highlight unbelievable. And I text her and she's like, us, uh, was it a, uh, old dog, new tricks or something like that. So she knows, I didn't show everyone anything, you know, everything in college, but, uh, uh, no, Steve's a great guy and, and Nicole's doing a great job at the university of uh, Colorado. Yep. Absolutely. I would a hundred percent agree with all of that. And they're all incredible role models and, you know, leaders in the women's game. So with that being said, you know, a lot of those players probably didn't have a lot of box experience growing up and, uh, you know, it's something that we're pushing a lot more, um, you know, to not just female players, but male players. And, you know, the box game is growing tremendously for both. So why do you think that a lacrosse player could benefit from playing in the box in the winter? Well, I, I just think, you know, it's it's the, the amount of touches you get, you know, the ball's never out of bounds. You're playing offense and defense. Uh, you're creating your own space, right? You know, it's such tight quarters. You have to create your own space with the, with the, with the, the two-player game. Uh, and then just the off-ball movement, right? I mean, it really forces you to 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 be an off-ball player because you know that sticks. You know, you're, you're, you're that thirty-second shot clock, and it's spinning, and all of a sudden, you know, it's it's in and out of your stick. And, you, and if you want to score, or you want to defend, you're, you're gonna you're gonna have to move there. So, uh, I just and, and the opportunity just to 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 get more touch, touches and develop, and and it's it's proven, right? I mean, the the, the more box you play, it typically will translate to being a better shooter on field uh, and, and help your field game and Again, I think with the opportunity of growth that's happening on the women's side, I think more of these girls, women need to play box lacrosse and, and develop their skills, let alone now that we're going into the national level, the world game starting you know, just in just a couple of years, right? 2024. I mean, we're a little outside of two years from that. So it's an exciting time, but I think playing box is just something that can develop your skills all around and make you a better, better box player, but a, a better field player. When you were at Cuse with Gary, you had the women playing box in the winter or year round. What what was that like? I saw helmets and gloves and you know the men, the men sticks, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, we we had a lot of fun. You know, you know, Gary and I we, we came up with the idea and we we're like, let's also in the fall we do twice a week. You know, full, full pads and the kids. I mean, they absolutely loved it. I mean, loved it. I mean, talk about you know getting a great workout and then the smile on their faces. So it was it it, it was a lot of fun and. Uh, even the goalies, right? Just just learning um, different angles, and, and uh, even though you're a field goalie, but getting in a box and teaching about you know like a hockey goalie playing your angles, whether it's you know right, left, and center. So it it was it was a lot of fun, and we did a little bit in the spring, but again, it was more of a fall thing. But I think as as you know um, as the more box grows, I think it's going to become you know a uh, 
a regular part of, um, of, of the division one, any, any colleges, you know, practice plan. We just ordered some four by four goals and we're going to try to suit up our manager and work on shooting and practice once a week to get our players, you know, that, that up and down and finishing around the crease there. So, uh, we're, we're excited about that. That's, that's exciting. I, I would love to see that Reggie, especially if you're going to be out there shooting with them or maybe jumping in cage. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You've seen me shoot. You know, I was more of a defender, but uh. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Defenders can shoot too. Um, my next question is is sort of related to that. You know, I think on the, on here at at Next, one of the things that we have discovered is just this incredible evolution of our girls when they're when they're playing in the box. It's empowering for them just to kind of suit up in that armor almost. You know, and they they get to play a sport that traditionally isn't a sport that a lot of women play. And it's, it's been really neat to see them develop in all of the ways that you're mentioning too. And, and I've seen a lot of the, the college programs when they hand out the equipment at the beginning of the year, right? They get not just their field stick, but now they're getting a boy's stick, you know, with air quotes around it and a fiddle stick and all these different training tools, which is so neat. And one of the challenges we have is sort of educating parents, I think, as to why girls will benefit from playing with a different type of stick in, an, in another part of the year. So I guess my question is, what would you say to a parent who's concerned about that? I, I just think of what we talked about. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's giving your, 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 your daughter an opportunity to improve her, her skills uh, for field through box lacrosse and, and through those extra reps and the ball's never out of bounds. I mean, they're going to play better defense. It's more physical. They're going to be better on ground balls. They're going to, they're going to shoot better. If your, your daughter's a defender, she's now going to be playing offense too. So she's going to build her lacrosse IQ out there. So I think there's just so many benefits. And I think again, with, with those, with those benefits or those opportunities for, 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 for women in, in, in the, with the amount of colleges, I mean, every year you're seeing three, four programs add lacrosse and it's, it's, it's unbelievable girls. So I think, you know, putting your, your, your daughter in the best position to be the, the, the best lacrosse player. Um, and I think playing box is, is, is a way to um, to kind of get them A to Z quicker in the learning curve, become bet more skilled by playing, you know, um, for that college level. If they want to play in college, box lacrosse is just going to help in, increase that that uh, that cycle to get to get you there with your skill sets. You're 100 percent right. I mean, I, I remember Coach Phil Barnes from UNC, the assistant or head head associate coach there, gave me a call last year when he found out we were doing box here at Next, and he wanted all of the local Philly area commits from you, you know, who are headed to UNC to get in the box. Can you get those girls in the box? I'll give you their number right now. <laughs> um, and it was great, you know, because you're, you're absolutely right. I think everybody sees the value, um, you know, of, of just the toughness that it brings. There's nowhere to hide. You're involved in every single play, uh, all those touches. And it also really just improves your, your IQ for the next level in terms of understanding the shot clock, which a lot of the high school and youth players don't, don't see until then. Um, and just the sub packages of, you know, going offense, defense, you know, maybe you're running middies on and off who aren't playing on the other end and just just different types of things that I think are really relatable. So um, are there any other major points that you feel like are? are uh, I, I think home? just you know, I think for the uh, with the women's game, I think it's just the parents. I mean, it's, it's, it's newer. Right. So I think I think, you know, it's just kind of embracing that. And there's always going to be people that are, you know, are, are, are against it. But I think if, if you want to become a better lacrosse player boy or girl, you know, doing box is going to, is going to, you know, is going to escalate that, that learning curve, you know, and, and it's proven, it's proven. Yeah. I know we waited a couple of years just thinking equipment might be the, you know, the problem. Uh, Kate, was it, was it as hard for our girls to get the, the padding, the men's sticks as we 
thought it might be or how's no. it all going? Yeah, we psyched ourselves out, I think, about the equipment. I think a lot of people do. It's easy to kind of find excuses. And instead, we started looking for reasons as to why, you know, and they were all around us. And it certainly helped us to be able to have a boys program that had already been established so we could share coaches, you know, share equipment, share field time um, in the box. And that, that definitely helped us get our feet wet. But what we found once we started was that the parents were ready to jump right in with two feet. You know, they were ready to go <laughs> find been blown away. Yeah. They yeah. wanted to find the pads in the garage that they could get, you know, or go out and buy the new equipment. We even have some of the dads showing up to games in like the, their daughter's jerseys from last year. Like, you know, just having way too much fun with it. Mostly Coach Law, but some other super fans too, and we love them. <laughs> um, great stuff on on box there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about culture building. Um, culture is one of those, you know, kind of pop pop phrases we talk about a lot. It's like, what does it really mean? Uh, what does it mean to you? Is something we like to ask coaches. And then for you, all the amazing places you've been on your journey. You know, is there one team that stands out, or is there one run? And if so, why? Um, and if not. You know, what, what does stand out from those different places? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, um, to, to go to Herkimer County Community College out of high school. I, I need a little more help on the on the academics and was supposed to go to Syracuse, but couldn't, couldn't need, just need a little more help. So I went to Herkimer, Coach Paul Ware, Hall of Fame, National Hall of Fame coach, uh, and just unbelievable family culture there that that really took, took you know, um, the kids who, who needed more development under, under his, his arm. And, and he's unbelievable. I mean, anyone who ever played for coach where, I mean, you know, well, pretty much he's our, he was our second dad. So very, very fortunate to have that type of coach. And he built an unbelievable culture of accountability, mental toughness, but just, just carrying family. And then to go to Syracuse and play for the legendary coach, Roy Simmons jr. I mean, un unbelievable, right. I mean, tradition, uh, he, he's just, uh, you know, creative and, and, and you, you just want to run through a brick wall for him, you know, I mean, he was, you know, he, he probably, I don't know if he ever taught me one thing about lacrosse, but, but he, I'd run through a brick wall for him. And I think, you know, a lot of, you know, anyone ever played for him, yeah. just, just unbelievable how he spoke about tradition and building your own tradition. And, um, and then, you know, my pro career in Rochester, uh, uh, New York for the Rochester Nighthawks and for 15 years, you know, that, the, the owners there and, and, and how they would brace, you know, the, the our families and kids and, and let them be ball boys and, and inviting to, to dinner. So it's funny, like you, you have that culture at Herkimer, you have culture at, I was very fortunate to have that culture at Syracuse, then Rochester, and then, then coaching for the Six Nation Arrows in, in Canada. I mean, that you want to talk about a rich, you know, tradition on the reservation up there of, of the best lacrosse players and, you know, all, all in the world. And, and on that reserve and, and, and how they do things, how they conduct themselves from, you know, from the, you know, Kurt Styers to Scott Smith, to Jake Henhock, Landon Miller, Lewis Stotts. I mean, those guys are a class, class organization, top to bottom. They expect winning, they expect championships. And so it's kind of, I was very fortunate to be part of some unbelievable, you know, cultures. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a handful that I spent a lot, a lot of time at. So just very fortunate to, to be part of it. Now, everyone, everyone was a little bit different, but, but it was all about, you know, that family and, and accountability and winning and mental toughness. That's incredible. It's, it's very clear, Reggie, that you've touched so many different aspects of this game. And I don't think there's many people out there that have had, you know, such a broad, expansive experience with the sport as you have. And it's really also neat to hear your story about how you, you know, out of high school, went to a, a JUCO, a junior college, and are clearly an 
an incredible success story of someone who did start off at a JUCO and has, you know, one of the longest professional careers that and has, and is still involved in in coaching. So that's that's really neat, and just to hear how that culture that culture helped you sort of set the stage for a lot of that. And I think when you're when you're looking at the game as a coach or as a player, we have a lot parent. We have a lot of different types of people who listen to this podcast. Um, I'm curious as a player. How can you have an impact on the culture? Because from a coaching standpoint, we always look at it through that lens, right? But as a player, what can you do to help that culture be what you want it to be? I just think, you know, being a good teammate, right? I, I think, you know, and, and, you know, always putting yourself in, in that other player's shoes because, you know, not everyone's going to have their best day every day, right? Everyone's going to be have a rough day maybe in the classroom, rough day with a relationship, rough day at home and, and things that are out of their control there. But just putting you know yourself in in the player's shoes because sometimes it's so easy like, hey, you know, we need to work hard. Everyone needs to work hard every day. But, you know, you don't know what's going on in that person's, you know, mind or, or you know, area of that, that day. And it might be something as simple as, you know, you know my, my parents had a fight or, you know, it might be financial, it might, might be relationship. You just never know. So just being open-minded and, and trying to be a good teammate and recognizing when people, when people are um, not at their best and, and supporting them and, and, and saying, it's okay. Right. It's okay. Right. I mean, it's, and, and I think that's just important to, to, to the communication and, and, and being a good teammate. Um, I mean, win, winning is always good. Right. But, but, you know, I think, you know, I think I'm better known as being a good teammate and a great teammate. And I'd rather, you know, be known for that than, than, than my winning percentage. How about uh, right now at Florida, if I was the father of a recruit and I said, Hey, I, I don't know much about your program. I love the colors. I love, you know, the football team and the other sports. Tell me about the women's lacrosse. And what's the program all about? It's culture, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's family culture. I think when you come to the university of Florida, most of the kids are, are, are leaving home, right? I mean, you know, you know, Gainesville, uh, it's a great little city, but a lot of people aren't from, from Gainesville, right? So it's, uh, it's so a lot of people are away from home. So you got to have good, a good family culture here to support one another because we have kids from Philadelphia and, and we have kids from Long Island and Maryland. Uh, so I think having that, that, that home away from home, I think is, is really important for our culture here. Um, and other schools a little bit different, but I think that family culture is, is, is one that the kids can lean on each other. Uh, they're typically only going home once a semester, you know, like a Thanksgiving break, something like that. And then they're here until until hopefully hopefully uh, late may right in, in, in deep deep around the playoffs so well you've certainly done a great job convincing players to uh to attend florida not that it's that hard to attend such a great school with such a, a an incredible program and you're you're there with with legendary mandy o'leary who started the program you know uh, what is it about almost a decade ago at this point maybe a little bit more You've coached for a lot of people and with a lot of people. What's the one thing that you've learned from Mandy that has really just stood out to you? She's just probably the most modest person. I mean, she's like the the, the silent assassin because she's super – she's an unbelievable coach. And she just comes off like, oh, yeah, you know, like – but she – and she is tenacious. I mean, she she played at Temple, won a national championship as a player. She also – which I didn't know this. She was an All-American field hockey player. So she was an All-American lacrosse and field hockey. And then she did two tours with the USA team, won two gold medals. In her first year, she was the youngest on the team and the leading goal scorer. And I'm like, man, you need to tell people this more because that was that's really cool. So, so in the recruiting process, I'm like, yeah, tell the parents. I'm not telling them. I said, I'll tell them because she's a she's a great person, great coach. She has a great family. Her, her husband Kevin is a, is a is a is a great uh, friend of mine. He's a, he's a old coach, old um, old uh, uh, official. And it's just one of those old time lacrosse guys. I could talk lacrosse for days, you know, of, of, of the good old days. And uh, 
but just great family. Um, and, and her son Ryan's at North Carolina playing Madison, her daughter played at Stanford. So she's a good, good family. She's a great person. Uh, and, and Taryn's, a, Taryn's a great person. She's been here, I think her sixth year. Um, uh, yep. so it's, it's been a good, it's been a great experience so far, but coach Manny's awesome. Absolutely. It's fun to hear you say that she's one of those people. And some of my favorite people in the sport are the ones that you wouldn't know, you know, that they were an all American or, you know, they've had, they've won three world cups or they're the head coach at Florida. If you were to meet them on the street, cause they don't act like that. Right. They're just humble, regular people. And, you know, Tumalo is a lot that way too. And she's, she's very humble and you've certainly found a way to surround yourself with some incredible people. All right, we're going to move on to our guest roundtable section of the show. We'll talk to Reggie a little bit more about his uh, journey with lacrosse. Reggie, take us back. Where'd you grow up? How'd you learn the game? And where did it take you from there? I grew up in uh, Elbridge, New York. It's a small uh, town just uh, west of Syracuse, about 18, 19 minutes. Uh, it's about 25 minutes in a, in a, in a, uh, in, in a traffic jam, so it's, pretty, it's, it's a pretty small town. But um, uh, yeah, grew up in Elbridge, um, didn't start playing lacrosse until I was in seventh grade. My, my brother was trying out for the team in eighth grade and just happened to go to the store with my mom. Um, she was getting him a lacrosse stick, my brother Rory, and she asked if I wanted one. So I, I got one and uh, went out and tried out uh, for the, the junior high team. Uh, I was like fourth line midi. Uh, and then our goalie got hurt. So I ended up being, being a first string goalie. So I played goalie for a while. Wow. And then, uh, yeah, and then I switched to long pole like my my freshman year of high school, and and um, and up to stick sticking with that, playing playing uh, playing pole and, and close, and then uh, had an opportunity. I had Coach Simmons come to my high school, Jordan Albridge, which is a really small high school. You know, to have Coach Simmons in my high school was pretty was pretty cool. Wow. Uh, like I said, I need a little more work on my academics, but uh, eventually got there a couple couple years later, and. To play at Syracuse, you know, and, and uh, that you know, a team that I grew up, I grew up, you know, 20 minutes from to play in the Carrier Dome, um, and finally get there, and then actually play and win a national championship was a was an unbelievable experience. Tell us about that dome. What what was it like the first time you walked into that place? When I the first time I walked into that place, I was just mesmerized. There's just something special in the air. What's that like? I mean, back when I played, I mean, it was, I, I remember, you know, vividly, it was, it was my, it was uh, 1992. We opened up with John Hopkins at, at, at the dome. And I think there was at the Google, I think there must've been 16, 17,000 people there, but to coming out of the tunnel for my first time as a, as a, as a player in a game was just unbelievable. And, and uh, it was an unbelievable game. We ended up, we ended up winning, but that was my first experience of, of kind of the, the dome magic and, the, the, the crowd, because the crowds used to be huge there, uh, huge. And they still, they still get some good crowds, but you know, obviously they got to get back to their, their winning ways. How about the style of play there? Was it run and gun? And what was it like being a defenseman at Syracuse, uh, both in games against other teams and um, also just that practice? It seems like a really competitive cauldron. I mean, it was, you know, there was no shifts off on D because if you got to stop, you weren't resting you because the ball was usually coming back down because it was fast. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of our games, I mean, I don't know, a lot of the games were like 18-12, 18-9, 18-10. So, I mean, it was it was a lot of goals scored. It was it was up and down. Uh, coach loved to push it. We had, we had you know, two, three, four lines of great athletes at midfield, and we had some, some great D-minis and wasn't as specialized as it is now. So, it was definitely more up and down. But um, but it was it was awesome to play, and that's how we practiced. I mean, we, we did broken, you know, full field, broken fast breaks, you know, you know, fifth percent of the practice. So it was, a, it was, it was fun to play, but it, it was fun to watch too. I mean, as a fan, I could see why they got so many people in the stand because it, it was, it was a fun, 
uh, a fun game to watch. Yeah, you said fun to practice, fun to play, fun to watch. I love it. Um, Tell us about some of the greatest players that were either teammates of yours at CUSE when you were there or, you know, rivals that you were competing with during your college years. Well, in 92, we lost in overtime to Princeton. That was my junior year. And, and, and that one, that one stung a little bit, you know, Princeton, it was kind of their, their, they were just starting their little, you know, their, their run. So Princeton knocked us off in 92 in, in overtime in, in the finals. Um, and, and that was their first cha- I think, I think it was their first championship. I mean, in the nineties anyways. And then, so going into our senior year, you know, we, we got off to a slow start. We lost to, uh, we lost to, to Carolina. We lost to Loyola. I think we started out one and two and, and I was a captain, Chris Saran, my goalie, and then Matt Ryder, who was a attackman of the year, you know, it, it was, it was tough as a, as a, as a leader being, you know, being starting one and two, but, but then, then we, we made a run. We didn't lose the rest of the year and, and we got our redemption with Princeton in the semifinal and then had one in championship against Carolina in the finals there. So, uh, there were some, there were some great, some great teams in, 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 in culture. And, uh, but I mean, unbelievable teammates. I mean, I had, uh, uh Chris Rand, Pat Kugman on defense, Rick Beersley. I don't know if you guys know Rick Beersley. He's, yeah. <laughs> we know Rick on Twitter. We know Rick Uncle on Ricky. Twitter. <laughs> Uncle Rick, but he was, uh, I'll tell you, you know, you, you know, he's, he's just an unbelievable guy. And he was, uh, he was a freshman and, but you know, that guy could take the ball. I mean, he, he pulls all stuff now, but he can really take the ball away from anyone. Some so. of those clips they've been posting recently of you guys, I'm like, oh my God, I'd be running away from him. Yeah. He was a young kid, but I tell you, he backed it up. And, and Pat Kugman was like an old school defender, you know, just, just, you know, lock, lock man to man. You didn't need to slide to him. And then, uh, and then myself. And, uh, but we, we had a great group. And uh, like I said, Matt Ryder on attack and Dom Finn, Hall of Famer, Roy Cosley. Uh, Mark Fietta, Charlie Lockwood. I mean, we, we Steve Bettinger, Jamie Archer. We we had a great group. Bob Fazy at the at the faceoff X. So uh, it was it was a great group, and it was more of a blue collar group. You know, we lost a lot of All Americans, Tom Marichak, and and some guys in '92. So and uh, so going in the season, I think expectations probably weren't as high. So we just kind of we had good culture, came together, and, and and you know got over the hump. That's incredible. It's so incredible that you have such great memories with all of those guys that you were teammates with. I'm sure everybody can relate to that and think back and see everyone's faces that they played with. So that's that's really neat to take us down memory lane. And I guess it was probably a pretty natural decision for you to, to head right into professional ball. And I guess when you first started, you probably had no idea you were going to end up being the longest tenured player, you know, American born player with 12 seasons or 15 seasons, I'm sorry, 15 seasons under your belt. So when you first started there, Reggie, did you know you were going to be, you know, your rookie season was going to go for another 15 years or did you just kind of hope for the best? Yeah. I mean, I, I never played much box. We, we played field box, but we never had real box around our area, uh, central New York. So um, no, I got out of school in 93. Uh, in 94, I was supposed to go to a tryout for the Buffalo Bandits that year. And there was actually a huge snowstorm. So I never got the tryouts. They had a veteran team. So they end up having, they didn't have tryouts. So I, I actually was just, I didn't play that year. Um, and then 95 Rochester was an expansion team from the, 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 uh, Detroit turbos. <clears throat> and so they, they, um, had an expansion draft. Some guys from Detroit came and then Barry Paulus, uh, native Americans from the Onondaga reservation in Syracuse, you know, knew me and, uh, he played at Syracuse as well. He's out older than me. And, um, and he asked me to come out for a tryout. And I said, I don't know much about real box. He's like, you know, you know, pick up ground balls. Right. And, and it's like, and, and I played Flash a lot of people. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I hit people. 
but I played a lot of basketball. So it was, was pretty good with the two man game as far as the learning. So, um, you know, played a lot of pickup basketball and he, you know, just kind of learned a lot and, and applied a lot of that basketball skills uh, to that. Back then it was called the, the mill, the major indoor lacrosse league. Um, and you know, so that I played 95, 96, 97, 97, won a championship against Buffalo, the last game in the Buffalo auditorium. Uh, and wow. then it switched to the, switched to the NLL in, in 1998. The Buffalo auditorium is famous, right? That place used to, used to rock. Yeah. I mean, the stairs were like that and, and uh, yeah. it was sold, it was sold out. We were on the road. We had a lot of, we had a lot of Rochester fans there as well, but uh, it's a, it's a great barn to play in. I mean, uh, some of those old barns like the spectrum in Philly was unbelievable loud as heck uh, the Buffalo odd. And then the old Maple Leafs garden in, in Toronto. Uh, we played the last game in there, the championship game against the Toronto rock. And uh, it was pretty cool to, to see, to be to say that you're the last game in the Maple Leaf garden. Although we lost, uh, we lost, but I wish we would have won. <laughs> That's incredible. It, it must have been so amazing. I mean, I remember just being like a young Wings fan. I'm sure you do too, Coop, you know, heading to those games. And I guess what else was going on in your life during that time? We know a lot of these players aren't doing just, you know, just box lacrosse professionally. So tell us a little bit about those years and what what else you had going on. Well, I mean, Amy and I were married. We had, we had kids pretty young. So, I mean, play, playing dad, uh, working corporate America, um, and then and, – and, and, Amy helping out with the kids. I mean, just, just a great support system with, with Amy, my wife and, and, and the kids, you know, and I used to bring my son to, and, and daughter to most, I mean, my son would travel on the road with me when he was four or five years old. He's been on more bus trips and spent more time in locker rooms than probably anyone. Um, but like I said, it was a great organization of culture. They, 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 they took care. If you had some young kids, they would, they would, you know, get them into the, uh, to the family suites that they would travel with us. So it, it was one of the culture things they talked about. They were really good to, to our family. That's great. So Reggie, 15 years in pro box, all with the Rochester Nighthawks. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. There's a little stint. Uh, I wasn't a stint. It was almost uh, a, 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 I was uh, the Syracuse smashed. Yeah. Uh, started, got, got a team. Um, Don't forget his gap year though. He took a gap year. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah took, took a PG. <laughs> um, right. But Syracuse, uh, um, <clears throat> they started a, a, a pro team. Um, met with Paul Gate and, and, and Howard Dolgan, who's the hockey guy, HL hockey guy there and, and was pretty close, but my heart was in Rochester and just kind of, just kind of make the move. So, um, got in, off to a great start in Rochester and it's only, it was only an hour from my house being west of Syracuse. So, uh, very, very fortunate. Like, I don't know if I would have played 15 years if, if, if I played for another team just because of travel with the kids and, 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 sure. and that. So, um, very fortunate to be an hour from my, my home arena and half home games, half away games. So it worked out well. So I got to ask Reggie, you know, being someone who's learning a lot about the business side of lacrosse, what's it like to be a GM of a professional sports program? It's fun. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, when, when Kurt Styers uh, bought the Rochester Nighthawks, it was my last year. And, um, uh, you know, he, he asked me what my dream job, and I want to be a GM. So we, I was in playing GM with him and it was pretty cool. But then we had like five guys, John Grant towards the ACL, Scott Evans, Scott Ditzel, Marshall Abrams. So like I ended up playing. So I was GM for like half the year and then I ended up playing like the last, <laughs> I, I signed myself, which oh is the craziest thing ever. So I signed myself stuff to a contract. You signed I yourself think, as GM. That, oh, I that's got to be a new one. Yeah. That'll be in the, the tagline for the yeah. show. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was player, I was player GM for like, I, I don't know how many, I think I, I don't have to look, I played maybe 
five, six, seven games. And then we end up getting bounced in the playoffs by the New York Titans there. But um, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, it's fun. You know, when I, when I left Syracuse, I went to New York to do that. We were an expansion team and uh, it, it was fun doing it for a year, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pro sports, right? It's volatile, right? And it's uh, uh, co- college coaching college and, and working with the three steps family is much more, uh, much more, uh, uh, you're, you're with the kids every day. You know, I think that's what I missed. You know, when you're, when you're coaching pro lacrosse, it's not like we practice five days a week, six days a week. I mean, they come in on Friday night, you have a shoot around and you know, you, you do, do some scout and then you play Saturday and you fly out. So it's very, it's, it was very, um, impersonal. And, and, and I didn't, didn't love that. Whereas working with the college kids, you're with them six days a week, you know, five days a week, um, and, and develop them. You can see their growth and, and, uh, and it just seems more, more connection. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I, I often joke about myself and call myself the GM of our own girls box program because I'm not the, you know, the expert in terms of coaching and I rely on Coach Resch and, and Coach Law for that. So um, it's incredible to hear that, that you probably still play with those guys, right? Like you still head up to Placid with Law. Like, do we have any good stories there from those days? Coach Law is the man. Coach Rush is the man. I mean, Coach Rush, unbelievable player in his name and in his in his day, but unbelievable coach too. I mean, I, we we got to play. I played for him in the Heritage Cup in 2002 when we upset Canada there. But he, he's an unbelievable coach and just a great, great person there. But no, Coach Law, Coach Law is the man. Coach Law was like Rick Beersley. He could take the ball away from everyone. He's a lefty. Uh, but uh, I, I think I think Coach Law and I we've been playing together for 10, 12. I mean, even I think longer up there with 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 uh he rounded with, it. it to, is, he rounded it to twenty, but we like to exaggerate around here. So <laughs> no, it was somewhere in the I middle. Mean, it, we've been going for thirty years, so it has to. I mean, it has to be over fifteen years. But That's pretty um, cool. But we're still playing with a thirty and over. And I said, Pete, we're, we're we're not getting any younger. We need to get, we need to go up a division. Well, he tore his Achilles a couple of years ago. We're like, come on, you know, is it time to hang it up? He's like, oh no, you know, I had him. I had him right where I wanted him. Um, tell us a little bit about Lake Placid. Uh, I've never been there. So for any lacrosse people that have never been there, come you know, on, Coop. Everyone's what's that been like? There. I know it's, I'm exposing myself, but <laughs> I mean, uh, Amy and I, we, we started going even before I was married, we were married. So, I mean, I, I think I was like, and you still got married. That's, yeah, I know. I know. That's saying something. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think we've been there like 29 of the 30 something years or 28 of the 30 something years, but the couple of years we did it is because I was playing MLL and, and, and the MLL had a rule that you couldn't play outside tournaments for a couple of years. So you, you, they would, you couldn't go and play. So there was a couple of years the MLL did that and then they ended up uh, rescinding that, but it's just a great family experience. And, and again, having kids, the kids loved it. So, and they look forward to going every year. So we started going every year we started, we, we, we continued to, 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 to attend. And even with coach law, I mean, he's got his kids up there rowing out there. They're, they're, they're shooting the ball on the sidelines and it's a great family experience. And I think that allows, I guess the, uh, the old, the old uh, men and women to, to, to dust off the stick and play and, 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 and I guess yeah, validate it. <laughs> It's a great experience for for the you know women, men, you know, the the youth that are there playing, and and the adult the adult age groups. It's really cool. I went there when I was in high school, and they put together sort of like a an all star team. I think they called themselves like Team Toyota. It was right around like two thousand something, and it was like Jen Adams and all these like legendary women's players. And I you know we played them, and then afterwards. I definitely had her autograph my stick, which was, you know, a little awkward because I was trying to compete with her 20 minutes ago. But but it was really neat. And it's such a great experience for everybody. Yeah, Jen was a baller. I mean, watching some of her old films, she's she she was a trendsetter. She was an unbelievable player. Great, great person. Great coach now. Great, great person. 
Absolutely. She's doing great things at Loyola with, with Dana as well, who's also a big fan of box lacrosse. Oh, yeah. Canadian. That's why. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, Coach, uh, Canada, I mean, you mentioned your time uh, with the Six Nation Arrows Junior A box team there. Can you give us just a quick overview of, of what the box system is in Canada, how you ended up there, and then, um, you know, why that's relevant to the American box and, and what we're maybe lacking or where some of our best players are going to get more box? So about 14 questions right there. If you could just answer that smoothly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Canada said, I mean, they just got a, a junior system, right. And it's, uh, it's, you know, uh, peewee tykes, uh, novice bantam midget, you know, ages, which you know takes you up to 16 and then you flip to, you know, junior, which is like junior C B or a, you know, and in six nation arrows, they were junior a, but they also had a junior B team. Um, and they just have a system and they have, you know, at each level, they have multiple teams playing across Canada. Uh, the thing about Canada, there's so many uh, ice rinks that that um, that they uh, they take the ice off for the summertime. So, you know, in, in a in a certain area, you might have eight or ten box arenas. So it's easy to access, um, you know, practice times because there's so many there's so many hockey facilities and also uh, double duty as 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 you know box lacrosse. So whereas in the states, it's a little tougher because you know there's there's so many there's so many indoor facilities um, um, that, that you can, you can access. That's incredible. I think that's one thing that, you know, we always talk about here in the States is just the, we're trying to find more places to play box here. So I guess, what could you say about, about USA box? And I know that you were the, the head coach of the of team USA indoor since, you know, 2017 and what's the mission, you know, of that program and how are you looking to grow the game here? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's growing the, the player pool. I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, that's the main objective. I mean, we got, I think we're up to like 36 or 38 guys currently playing in the, uh, in the NLL. Um, and then we had another eight or 10 on, on, on practice rosters and then just get, getting more of the college kids involved uh, in the summertime playing box, getting up to Canada, but also just having more opportunities for them in the States. And that's a big initiative of us lacrosse. Uh, they're they're going to be launching here soon for women's and 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 men to to have more opportunities for for these younger kids, uh, not only the young kids but also the, the college kids. So I think there just needs to be more opportunities. That's a big initiative. And you know, from a from a national team uh, or, or national uh, team standpoint, it's just you know growing that player pool of, of experience in the pro league in in the in the box to compete. We've always won bronze uh, in the world games. We were pretty close this year. We lost to the the Iroquois team by a couple was probably the closest we've been, I think, ever. Um, so just closing that gap with Canada and the Iroquois and these other teams are getting better. I mean, Israel's playing better. England's playing better. Uh, so certainly, and with the sixes now being um, with all the countries, I mean, that's more of like a box. So teams are just going to get better by playing sixes and, and they're going to start to play more box. So I think that that gap is going to be closed and we need to keep, keep moving forward to close it on uh, Canada and the Iroquois. One question there would just be uh, my good friend, Brett Manny plays for you and has been a captain and um, you know, we're not listening to the haters that are saying he's washed. I think he's going after one of your records maybe, but what's it like to coach Brett? He's a, he's a loved coworker for us at next. You know, Brett, Brett is just, I mean, you know, he's, he's just the ultimate teammate, right? He was my captain uh, of, of our USA team. 
and great lacrosse IQ. He's just an unbelievable leader, you know, and, and we really leaned on him to, to, to read our locker room, you know, and that's the most important thing, you know, when, when we're pushing the guys too hard and, and, and when we need to, to, you know, maybe, you know, you know, uh, lighten up a little bit in practice, but just, just a really good read of the locker room and just, a, 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 a you know, and transferable information from the coaches to the players. And, and, and he's, he's had an unbelievable career and he's doing a great job this year. He's got more gas left in the tank. You know, I told him I, I quit when I was 37, you know, I said, I, I felt I had a couple more years left on me, but, uh, I figured it was just some, some time for someone else younger to, to, to take it. But now Brett, Brett's a great guy I and mean, great, great lacrosse IQ. He's a great teacher, well-spoken. Um, uh, you couldn't ask for a better teammate and he's doing great things for you guys. Uh, and I think anyone who's associated with him, you know, you know, it just says great, great things about him. Everybody loves Brett. That's what we always say around here. Everybody loves Brett. Yeah. Brett loves Brett, but everyone loves him too. <laughs> I will say, you know, just to comment on the teammate thing, I was standing with Brett in the airport the other day, and uh, this guy walked by carrying, like, 27 bags, you know, way too much luggage for one human. And as he walked by one of the T-shirt stands, he knocked some T-shirts on the ground. And one of, you know, the people I'm standing with commented, look, that guy just knocked over all his T-shirts. He watched it happen, too. He just kept walking. And we all just kind of watched him keep going. And, and Brett walked over, and he picked up the T-shirts, and he put them back on the stand. So, you know, only someone... Uh, who has incredible character, I think would, would take the time to do something like that. So he's a good one. He's, you're lucky to have him on your team. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about women's lacrosse. Uh, how'd you get into the women's coaching game uh, and, and why'd you stay? And then, you know, what might men that are on the men's lacrosse side like me uh, need to pay more attention to? I mean, I, you know, Gary called me to have a conversation and, and I mean, it's just, it's lacrosse, right? It doesn't matter men's, women's. I mean, it's, 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 it's the same. And, 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 you know, I think that's, it's not the same, but it's the same. It's the same core, core values, fundamentals, pass, catch, play, defense, score, and, and, and with just, you know, some different rules, but you know, I think, I think Gary had a great approach and, and I just don't Gary, I, I don't, didn't know much about, you know, women's lacrosse and, and I got into it. I just fell in love with it. You know, how, how the, 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 the players competed and how I'm like, it was just like coaching boys box, men's box. It was like, I mean, it's just the same approach and people ask, well, well you know, it's women's. I said, no, it's, it's lacrosse, right? It's just lacrosse. Yeah. And, and not, not, not to be like, you know, you know, I guess, um, you know, it's it just, it, it is, just, and I don't mean like just lacrosse, it is just lacrosse. So, and I, I think people, yeah. you know, and whether you're, you know, um, a woman coaching men's lacrosse. I mean, it's, it's the same, it's lacrosse. Right. And, and I think, um, I think that approach in coaching with Gary was, it was, it was a seamless transition for me. I'm like, all right, we're going to coach them. We're going to coach just lacrosse, right. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's men or women and we're going to coach them this way. And we're going to, you know, defend and we're going to score goals. We're going to be creative. We're going to have a good culture. Uh, we're going to work hard, but we're going to have fun. It was incredible to see Gary, you know, even in like the 2000s, you know, I just know he spent time at Maryland and just, you know, influencing the game. And it's been incredible to see his influence on the game and to see him, you know, stand up in front of all the coaches at the IW convention and hold a women's stick, which he may have designed, by the way, but he's holding a women's stick and he's doing all this fancy stuff with it. And he's proving that you can do the same stuff with this stick that you can with the men's stick. And I think you can see that reflection in some players who have played for him, right? Like Kayla as a huge example, you know, just what she's been able to do with her, uh, just stick, stick work and skills have been incredible and an inspiration. So that influence has definitely shown through. Yeah. I mean, Gary, I mean, he would shoot harder with a women's stick than a, than a men's stick at our summer camps. We'd have the radar gun up there. So, uh, 
Uh, he can do as much with, with those sticks and and uh, as as a, as a men's stick. And he's, I mean, it's it's the development of those players, right? Is is uh, has been amazing to see. Absolutely. So, what would you say if we're going to get into sort of the the gender conversation a little bit, Reggie? I think it's important to kind of address the idea of, um, you know, the men who have transitioned over into coaching the women's game, but you don't really see women who've been able to transition over into coaching the men's game. What can you say about that? And would you give advice to women who are interested in getting into coaching the men's game? I, I think it'd be great. And I, like I said, I think, you know, I think uh, it's lacrosse, right. And I, I think if you know you take that approach and whether it's, you know, it, boys, girls, men's women's, I, I think, I think it's, uh, um, it's, it's gotta be done, right. It's gotta be done. And, and that, those, 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 um, uh, those bridges are gonna be crossed and, and, I, and I'm excited and I can't wait, I can't wait for it to happen. And, um, and you, you see, even at young ages, you know, some, some, you know, there's, you know, mom's coaching their, their son's team and I love it, you know, and I, and I love it. And I think that the future is bright for that. And uh, I'm excited to see that. So if you could pick someone right now today, that's going to be the next Becky Hammond or a Katie Sowers, who would it be? Uh, Putting you on you the spot what? here a little bit. No, I mean, no, you're not. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we, we, you know, we keep bringing up Michelle Tumla, right? I think, I think she could coach, she could coach anything. I think Katrina Dow could coach anything. Uh, I think Kayla Trainer could coach anything, you know, I, I think my daughter Ella could coach anything, you know, as far as, you know, boys or girls, men, women. So uh, I think, I think um, uh, the skill sets of a coach is a coach. And I think if you have those skill sets, I think it doesn't matter, you know, what, what gender, I think you can coach to coach across. It's great hearing that from you. In terms of coaching women's lacrosse, I'm sure there were probably just different types of, of highs and lows maybe than there were on the men's side. Maybe it was, you know, you mentioned earlier an injury to one of your top players. I guess what were some of those low points and how might they have been different than, you know, low points you might have seen on the men's side? Um, not really different. You know, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, Michelle Tumo tearing ACR senior, that was a tough one, and she was going to play on it. And her dream was playing on the USA team. And I mean, I can't tell you the countless talks I had, like Michelle, you can't do it. Right. It's not worth it. And maybe if Michelle played, maybe we would have scored a couple more goals. Maybe we would have won a championship, but it was short term and, and, you know, to talk her off of that because she really, really wanted to, but then to see her have her success in the, in the world games, that was really special for me. And whether she remembers the conversations or not, I do eventually, you, 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 you got to think of your future here. Right. And you want to play us lacrosse and win world cups. And she went and did and, and won, won a couple. So that was, uh, that was, but they're really, I mean, it's, it's coaching lacrosse, right? I mean, it's, I always said like, you know, I'm very fortunate to do that. You know, my mom always taught me that there's people out there, you know, that, that are, are doing a lot, you know, they have a lot, lot less, you know, uh, or less fortunate. Right. And I just think, you know, coaching lacrosse, it's a privilege. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I learned as much from my players. They learned from me. So I, I mean, there's really no lows because the kids are, they're healthy. They're able to play lacrosse. And a lot of kids aren't. So I just, I try to install that attitude with our kids that you are fortunate. You are blessed to play. And, and there really shouldn't be any complaint because there's, there's kids out there that they can play. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually spoke with my, my grandmom today and we were talking about how she, the, the only thing that she could do was cheerleading. And my mom, you know, her only, her only outlet or opportunity was field hockey. They had one sport, maybe basketball, but uh, you know, us Henwoods weren't so good on the court. But it's just really incredible and a testament to all the hard work of all the women who came before us, I think, to, to see the opportunities that have been, been, been created for women in the sport now and 
now that they're suiting up and playing box, it, it's just been a really cool transformation. It's exciting. Yeah, I agree. We The highlight of our winter has been our Tuesday nights when our boys and girls box teams collaborate and they're at separate ends doing he means, their training He thing. means collide, not and collaborate. Then, <laughs> and then we turn on the music and let them scrimmage and it's supposed to be controlled, but it's, it's just chaos. It's so awesome. And everyone just kind of lights up. So, uh, Coach, I just wanted to ask for some, some kind of like quick, quick reaction answers on some of these questions about coaching. And then we'll do the same for a couple of your kind of more business uh, stops outside of the coaching that we've talked about. And then we'll give some homework and, you know, let, let everyone go tonight. So, yeah, just give me like your quick thoughts. Uh, the first one, as a coach, you know, what's your why? Do you have a coaching philosophy or something that, you know, is your purpose? I always hang, I always had hung in my office, you know, you know, players don't care. What, what is it? Uh, players don't care what you know until they know you care. Right. And I, I think that was one of the biggest ones that, I was taught as a, as a, as a young coach that your players got to know that you care about them on and off the field. And um, uh, so that was a big one. That was a big one. So there's obviously a bunch of different jobs in the industry. You can get into a lot of different things here. So did you ever think that you'd be doing all this different type of work with lacrosse? It's obviously been a lot more than just a sport to you. No, it's just like one thing led to it, you know, another and, and just developing relationships. And like I said, very fortunate to, to, you know, have coached as long as I have and in the different sectors has, has been awesome. And, um, and just to meet the, the people along the way in the relationships, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun experience, um, uh, that Amy and I have, have thoroughly enjoyed. Did you do anything special for uh, national women in sports day yesterday? Uh, it was my dad's birthday too. So I, uh, I tweeted about my dad because my dad turned 80 <laughs> and he's like, He's like Mr. Old School. He's up at 4 a.m., you know, and, and he still outfishes all of us, out hunts all of us, and does more work. You know, I, I think I put does more work before 11:30 a.m. than everyone does in a day, pretty much. Uh, and then I saw like my daughter's like, "Are you gonna Are you gonna tweet something?" I just tweeted about my dad. So, uh, but I don't know. I, I like like I, I told I, I told Elle, every day every day's that I have a daughter, yeah. so every day yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking about you know women in sports and and, and and my daughter. So I said every day is women in sports to me, and, and I'm serving a that program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's more than a tweet. <laughs> uh, next one. Any pet peeves as a coach? Something I, you see I, at I, practice. Just get you know, I, honestly, honestly, um, I I only have one. I, I mean, I don't care. Like, I I don't I don't have any. Like, the the kids are the kids. They have fun, but is lean, leaning on your stick. And it's funny. Like one of the players yesterday, I'm like, I have no. She goes, Coach Rich, you have no rule. I have no rules, but don't lean on your stick. I that's always been like a a pet peeve in my head. That you know that that's means you're tired or lean on your stick. So it's it's probably silly, but it's something that my players have never done, and and that's probably my only pet peeve, which probably isn't a good one, but. How about for someone you coach with? I'm sure you do like uh, recruiting showcases or camps or all types of stuff where it's like, oh, you're matched up with, you know, Marty Cooper on today. What's something another coach with you might do that you're going, no, that's not it. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I, I, I like the coaches are great. Right. I mean, and, yeah. and um, you know, if they're, they're young coaches, I, if they want to lead, they lead. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty easy to get along with. So no, it's, it's uh we're very fortunate to, to work a lot of these, these events in with, with great, great people and, and, um, uh, pretty easy to work with. Classy answer. Absolutely. Very classy. I was going to ask you if you, when you see a player leaning on their stick, if you ever run over and just kick it, see if they fall over. I, I usually, I usually, uh, hit it out. So <laughs> I thought that's, that, that, that's my, I sing a pet peeve. I said that that's my only pet peeve. Really. I, I really don't have any more. So. I thought that might be the answer. So what are you telling athletes these days about playing multiple sports? 
is it hard as a parent to navigate this? And, you know, I know that's a, a whole big loaded question there, but just maybe your, your quick response on it. Yay or nay? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, if there's an opportunity, I mean, just, just like, like, um, uh, like playing basketball, right. Just the, the, the fundamentals with, you know, working the pick and rolls and stuff like that. I, I just think it can help so much in the look in the, in the lacrosse field, these other sports, you know, soccer, volleyball, I mean, all, all the sports, but, um, you know, I, I think also too, is as you get older, kind of into those later years, uh, in high school, you know, I, I don't, you know, some people scale back maybe one sport, which, which I think just from the, the physical part of it, probably that's up to them how they feel, but it, you can get run down. Cause again, as you get in those recruiting years, it, it is a lot, right. It is a lot. So just, just knowing your body and, and, you know, and, and have that, you know, the conversation with your, your parents and your, 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 your high school club coaches and to, to kind of gauge your, your wear and tear. Absolutely. And that's great. That's great insight. And, you know, we're not really sure how you have time for this coach, but somehow you also work for uh, 3D, three-step lacrosse. So what is it exactly that you do on that side of the ball and, and how, how are things going there? Yeah. I mean, just, just help their training methodology kind of behind the scenes, you know, they're developing some of their box curriculum, uh, the girls curriculum, and then, and then, and then just, you know, evolving the, some of the boys. So it's, it's been a great, I mean, they're, they're, they're great people there. Uh, they're, 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 they're just quality, high character people. They like to teach kids and, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're a skill building company, right? I mean, obviously they, they, they have club teams and they play and they go to tournaments, but we're, we're really in the, 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 the business of, of building and developing, you know, young men and young women. And I think that what really drew me to them and has kept me there because of the, I guess, the core values and, and uh, like, like you guys do at next, right? Just those core values of, of the teaching aspect and, and developing, players on and off the field is, it's, it's been very attractive. Last question is just the, uh, the NIL, uh, what does that mean for college athletes and how will it affect lacrosse? Is it affecting any of your, your players at Florida right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's evolving, right. I mean, it's changing a little bit every day. I think the universities are trying to um, get their arms around, you know, more of the compliance side of it. And, and, you know, most universities are developing a whole, a whole, you know, kind of office or, or, you know, group of people to, to head that, to, you know, wow. to make sure, make sure that, that student athletes don't, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, you know, compliance wise, they say, don't just don't lose their eligibility. So I think there's great opportunity. I think it's awesome. I think it's, uh, it's uh, some, some of the players have been capitalizing that, which is great. And I think you're just going to see more and more of that, and um, it's going to be it's going to be great for the, the growth of our sport. Awesome. All right, Coach Thorpe, this has been really great. Uh, we're, we're over an hour into this conversation, so I apologize to your family if anyone's waiting on dinner, but um, you're still smiling. So we're going to give out some homework and wrap this episode up. Uh, we like to call this our rapid fire next homework. Let's go! From Reggie Thorpe to our listeners, we'll ask you to give some homework for parents, for coaches, and then for players. After that, we'll ask you for any recommendations, either books or podcasts or anything else. Are you ready, Coach? Uh, sure. All right. Give our audience some homework. Go ahead. Uh, I, I think that's what I said earlier. Just, just you know, challenge yourself to you know when you're at these different practices or events of just supporting all, all the kids, right? I, I think uh, on both teams, and and I think that's just super important with 
with with the process also as the kids get older in an age and in, in their recruiting ages right i think if developing that that support and of all the kids and being in, uh, inclusive i think is, is super important something that we all can be mindful of every day when we go to a practice or a game or an event whether it's lacrosse or whether it's the kids basketball game or or volleyball or soccer or, or whatever event great What's something for our coaches? Uh, just as attend as, attend as many uh, events as you can, like learning events, you know, podcasts. I mean, you know, the, the, there's all kinds of stuff you can follow on Twitter. Um, you know, you know, like I was at LaxCon, you know, and I'm hearing like a high school coach talk about a backer zone defense and, you know, and, and I thought I was pretty educated, but you always pick up something. Right. And this is, he's a seventh grade high school coach and you're like, ah, what's this guy. But then I go out there and I'm taking like 10 pages of notes. So I just think he can learn from anyone. So just, just be that open-minded where, you know, you don't know it all. And that's the approach I've always had. I can learn from, 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 from anyone and, and, and attend stuff. And there's a ton of stuff virtual now. And a lot of it's free Instagram, Twitter. So I think just, just, uh, you know, the, the learning aspect of it is keep learning and kids are changing every day. Right. I mean, they're, you know, kids are the way you coach a kid now isn't the way you coached a kid 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So I think just kind of evolving your, your, your methods and your practice and your approaches, uh, to, to keep you sharp and kind of, you know, with, I don't want to say with the times, but with, with that uh, sector of people. What about for our players? What's their homework? Uh, player homework. Uh, what do we got? What do we got for player homework? It's cold. It's it's February. What could they be doing? You know, there's always something to do, right? And, and uh, I, I guess so that is, you know, like I think I'm the only undrafted National Hall of Fame person. I, I think I, I I'm not 100 sure, but is hey, you know, sometimes you might not be in that inside lacrosse top 50, you know, or on the watch list, but just keep working hard, right? And, and you know, I think as as college coaches, you know. Uh, they don't care. I mean, if you're an All-American, you're not All-American, but just just if you're if you're not in that mix, if you're not, because sometimes you read that stuff and it gets you down, but you just got to keep working right? and you got to prove people wrong and you got to get up in the morning and and and, 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 and work hard and, and do things when, when people aren't looking. And I, so I think if you're if you don't have that success or notoriety, I think just just keep your head down, keep working and keep positive and good things are going to happen. That's great. One message Coach Leahy always says is ignore the noise. So if the noise is for you, that's fine. Ignore it. If it's not for you, it's for someone else. That's fine. Keep going and, and do what you love. So great homework there. Coach, do you have any uh, podcasts that you're listening to, uh, bands you're listening to, or books you're currently reading you would recommend? Uh, you know, a, a, a good one of the, the way of a champion by Jerry Lynch. I mean, that's one that it's, it's, it's older, but it's, it's constantly talking about, you know, being a good teammate affirmations, because I think, you know, coaching, um, you know, coaching college, coaching anything, men or women, I think, you know, you constantly, there's always that, 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 you know, lack of confidence sometimes, or that self-doubt you have in your, in your mind. So just, just constantly, you know, uh, saying some affirmations and, and, and approaches, I think can really help your game. And that's one that's, that's pretty old. We, we, we were, we did that book a couple of years at Syracuse, but it's one I always go back to with some of my players, cause it's an unbelievable one. And really, I think can really, you know, help, um, you know, build that confidence and, 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 in-game confidence of how to, how to get out of that, that IPR initial positive reaction. Absolutely. Yeah. You're not the first guy to recommend that on here. Cause that's one of the best board pod podcasts there is. And, uh, a tremendous resource. I love how they have the soccer, uh, coaches on, they might have like the accents, but they're talking about skill development and skill acquisition and these things you're going like, yeah, you know, I, I want to learn more about this. So really great recommendation there, coach. Coach Henwood made it through the full episode. Uh, what do you, 
Yeah, still sitting, still standing. Um, Coach Thorpe still smiling. So, Coach Henwood, what'd you think of our episode and our guest? No, this this was a great experience, and just to be able to pick your brain, Coach Thorpe, and and hear how articulate you are, Coach Coop. I think you broke out a word or two that I'm gonna have to go home and look up. Competitive cauldron. <laughs> that is, was uh, it. That was the John Gordon one. book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, this this has just been uh, a great experience, and thank you very much for your time. Coach Thorpe and, and just this thoughtful conversation. Uh, this show is is really, I think, so valuable for parents, players, uh, coaches, just so many people who are lacrosse people, uh, you know, people from other sports or even, you know, from from business world, wherever you're coming from. I think you're going to learn a lot when when you tune in and and we wish you nothing but the best of luck with 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 3D and three step and also Florida and Team USA and really all the hats that you wear every day. You're clearly doing some incredible things and we're excited to keep working with you. I appreciate you having me and thanks for all that you guys do. This is awesome. Thank you, coach. Look forward to seeing you uh, when your travels bring you next around Philadelphia. We'd love to host you in Kanchi or the city. With that said, that's a wrap for episode nine of season three from our new next offices here in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. Special thank you to Bar Luca our first podcast sponsor, The Best Food in Conchi. Also, a special thank you to Neon Rainbows, uh, the name of the drink that Coach Henwood brought for our staff. Thank you, Coach Thorpe. You're a legend. It was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we're better for it, and so is our listening audience. We're signing off from Next Headquarters. Good night. Thanks, guys. Reggie, you're the man. Thank you. Great Thank stuff, you. Reggie.